My name is Jeremy Kirkland, and this is Blamo, a podcast exploring the world of fashion with the people who shape it. My guest this week is acclaimed photographer Rose Callahan. Rose and I discuss her illustrious career and how she creates her character-driven portraits. We also chat about her recent books, the Dandy Portrait Series, and discuss what is a dandy. Rose Callahan, thank you for coming on. I mean, thank this, you for having me. Yeah, you are someone when when I think of like the menswear industry, when I think of fashion industry, I unfortunately probably put all these people in boxes because I'm like, oh, they're this type of brand, they're this type of person, they're this type of style, design, and that way it's easier for me to understand. But you are someone who transcends and connects every single one of those boxes. You are first off you have like amazing fashion sense and you've always kept this sort of like look and vibe ever since I saw you. Then you're an amazing photographer that is a real, real photographer. Mm. And I don't say that to belittle any other friends of mine who are photographers, but like when I think of like old school, like Ansel Adams type photography where it's not, let's just get 10,000 photos and we'll pick the best one. Like you do like portraits and like they're moving. They're like, beautiful thought-provoking images and you also do that with people in like the fashion industry and it's really you know i mean you have two books that i'm dandy and we are dandy i mean you're you're a big deal this is really cool thanks where where are you originally from what's your what's your story um i'm from california originally i was born in san francisco one of the five people that were ever born in san francisco oh really and uh, like the five people that were born in new york um (laughs) So I was born there, and I moved when I was about eight years old with my family to Grass Valley, which is a very small town in Northern California. Okay. It's the, the Gold Rush town. Oh. And I was there for, uh, till I went to college, and I went back to the Bay Area. So kind of got the city and the, the country, so those, both those worlds, and then I went back to the city to go to college. Where, where'd you go to school? California College of Arts and Crafts. Arts and crafts. <laughs> now it's just called California College of Arts. So they dropped the crafts, which is terrible because it's really about the history of the arts and crafts movement. It was in Oakland. You know, it was a great school. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Somewhere along the line, they, they thought it sounded too... too uh, belittling or belittling something? Belittling to have crafts, unfortunately. I yeah. I think it's pretty cool, though. And you studied photography? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got interested in photography when I was about 10 because my mother was learning photography and oh. she was taking night classes and I would go to with her to the dark room and uh and this was you know all analog back then yeah and so I was basically kind of learning through her and and was introduced to it and I was always interested in art ever you know, my whole life. And I used right. to draw a lot and I was very artistic and stuff. So when I got introduced to photography, it just seemed really, really natural. And I just enjoyed it a right. lot. And that was at, also at the same time that I was having, you know, more friends and I would start to photograph my friends. And um, I don't know, it was just like a very natural thing. But then I just kept with it all through, all through school. But your your photographs, and obviously, I mean, you evolve in your craft. Your photographs are are like portraits. I mean, they're they look like things that, and I I mean this, you know, I have lots of other friends who are photographers who have different styles of shots. But you, you know, they're moody. There's seriousness. Mm-hmm. There's like drama within a single photo. And I say that in the most admiring, loving way. I mean. You can you can spot one of your photos because oh it, wow thank you yeah I mean it is it's unbelievable mm-hmm. but like you didn't start that way right I mean were you always interested in more of like the portrait side of photography actually yeah from the very beginning I loved portraiture I've always that was I remember when I was in high school I was taking photography okay and you know you, we start the first like they make you do the first few roles and you kind of like photographing things and I remember. There was this one picture I took of my friends. They were just hanging out like punkers hanging out on the street. Mm-hmm. And it was like, that was the picture, you know? And I looked at it. I looked at it in the roll and I was like, 
that's the picture. And it was my friend looking at me and she was probably trying to be really dramatic or something. Right. But it was like, I loved it. And I really, I think at that moment I decided like, that's it, people, portraits, that's it, you know? Dang. That's pretty good because I'm, I'm sure that saves you a lot of time when all these, you know, you have people like me, like you don't even figure out what the heck you're doing until you're, what, I'm going to be like 45 by the time I figure out what I'm doing. And you, you figure this out when you're in high school? Yeah, but <laughs> it's still a long road. Oh, for sure. For Everything sure. is work. Everything. Well, how did you get to New York? Because I mean, you're, you know, most West Coast people end up staying on the West Coast. Uh, how did I get to New York? Okay. It was 1999. Flex. Um, it was like probably in the summer and my friends were living out here. Okay. Like, I had a few friends that had come out to, to live for a while, like go to school and stuff. And one friend was visiting and she was like, Oh, I have to go back. I have to get a roommate. I don't have a roommate. And I was like, well, I want to, I want to move to New York. Yeah. But I, it wasn't just, I want to move to New York. It was. I want to come live with you for four months until the New Year's because I was like, this is be this would be so cool to be in New York for like the turn of the millennium. Yeah, and so I did it. <laughs> it was uh, I just it was one of those things where my boss was like, yeah, sure, go take some leave, and I wasn't really doing a whole lot at the time. I was working at a photo lab there. Okay, and um, were you still in school? Had you been no? I had graduated. Okay. So I just came and um, I just like did, I think I really, because I knew it was a short period of time, I just put all my effort into just finding work and doing anything I could. I I don't think I really started to assist right away because that was pretty hard to get because I hadn't done it before. Right. Um, but I got a job as a printer in a lab, color printer. Okay. And started doing some other little odd jobs and I think eventually somebody somebody hired me as an assistant and that was like all freelance that was like the photo district at the time was really still there in yeah. Chelsea and you would go the way I would get jobs would be at labs there would be little like you'd put up your your thing like your your poster that was like I'm an assistant. Oh, right. People will actually take the thing and tell Oh, like me. a little tearaway. Yeah, yeah. Or page me. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so I just started to do that more and, uh, you know, get, really go, like, go forward with assisting. So that was, like, my main interest. So a, a lot of other photographers kind of, like, do this and this, like, assist, uh, assisting and apprenticeship and stuff like that. What, what are you actually learning in these situations? Oh, wow. Um, that, I mean, that's the real school right there is because you're seeing how people light things and how they deal with clients and what it takes to be on a commercial shoot. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, like how, how, how they kind of organize everything. Like if it's a shoot with a model, like a, a lookbook or a catalog, you know, how, how it's all done. So you really see that. And I don't think there's really another way to see it besides being a part of it. And, and the assistant, you, you know, you, you have to like, you have to think of what the photographer needs before they need it and like be very organized. And right. I mean, that brings me to a a question that's like somewhat off topic, but a little bit relevant. And the fact that a lot of people, especially in a role you know, that you have, which is in the creative world, photography, there are a lot of schools that will teach you how to do stuff. But most of the successful photographers that I know, including yourself, talk about the best stuff that you learn is actually on the job. Oh, yeah. And it makes me wonder how relevant or irrelevant is the formal education when you're learning, like you're saying, the most important stuff on the job. And I'm not discounting it. Yeah, that's a curious. really, really good question. I mean, I I went to art school because I just kind of knew I wanted to do that. But it's definitely, you don't have to do that if you're a photographer. Um, okay. Or a lot of other things. You don't, I don't think it's a requirement that you have to learn it the, the way you think it's supposed to happen. You just air quoted you, that. <laughs> just, just so people know. I think, I think it... <laughs> gives you somewhat it gives you a little bit of confidence mm. i think and maybe that's why people do it i well, mean did, I, did it give you confidence 
When I finished school, I knew that it hadn't taught me everything, mm. but that was okay. I think my dad told me that, you know, he's like, you're going to learn only so much, but you learn, you know, it can only teach you so much. Going to school can only teach you so much. Sure. Um, I don't know. It was just something I felt like I had to do to accomplish, you know, oh, for to sure. kind of get, get done with that. But, but it, it, it was an art school. And it, right at that moment, it was very much about conceptual photography, not about actually going and doing like taking pictures and being in that moment and stuff. Mm. And I didn't like that very much because to me, I love to be in the moment and I don't like to think about concepts too much. I like to be very intuitive about my photography. Really? Uh, yeah. And getting too much into that conceptual state of mind before you actually make things, mm -hmm. I don't think is a good creative endeavor for me at least okay. um at, and especially at the time like i just wanted to go out and take pictures of like cool people and stuff and i you know and my photographer my teachers were like hashing out concepts and it was not yeah. very interesting well let's let's jump back so you're in new york you just got here you are an assistant with whichever photographer you're working with a whole bunch what what was your life like then? I mean, were you just earning your living from being a photographer assistant? Like, how, how are you kind of grinding your own craft on your own? I guess my career has always been like these like gentle stages, or not gentle stages, but like moving Rolling from hills. one to the other very kind of naturally. And there was, there was very few like moments where it's like, boom, change, you know, all of a sudden I'm a photographer or something. It was assisting a lot. Mm -hmm. I did that a lot. I think probably for a few years I was just work, just living off of that um, as an assistant. Um, it paid pretty good, so that wasn't bad. Um, I also did. I worked with this photographer, hand coloring photos, which I love that I did that. Wait. Okay. You got to explain that. Wait, <laughs> hand coloring photos. It was actually one of my first jobs in New York. And I answered an ad in the Village Voice. And this lady, she does like these, <laughs> she does these, she did these big like family portraits. She was a cool artist. She still is a cool artist, but she did this as a business. And so I would, in Gowanus, like I went down to her studio and I would like hand color the paintings. So it would be this huge, like beautiful print and I would color it all in very old school style. Wow. <laughs> That's and, crazy. And then I assisted and then eventually from one of the photographers who shot for TV Guide, I started working for TV Guide as a photo editor, like a um kind of a junior photo editor. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Uh -huh. What well, what was that like? That was really cool because I got to work in the archive. I I think either they, they did. I I love archive work, so they probably figured that out. And then they needed organization in the archive, so I was doing all this stuff in the archive, and I got to see all their file folders of photographs, you know, from the whole span of TV Guide. So there's stuff from the fifties, like beautiful old prints and films, to all the way up. Um, and so that was a lot of fun. And I got to see how, from the, the magazine perspective and like the photo editor perspective, how things work. So I was kind of on the other side. Yeah. You know? And um, I worked there for a good long time. And that was, that was kind of like my transition out of assisting. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, a photo editor, that's, that's a pretty big job. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't like producing shoots. So that's what, you know, eventually the, the photo, there was a, a whole big photo department and and um they you know the top the higher level ones would produce all the shoots like the entertainment shoots right um and i was more like i did um kind of i would edit some some of the work in the magazine and then i would do archive stuff and then some other trafficking things right and so you're there for a while and then do you you know are you still shooting on your own i mean yeah yeah after 9 11 i started taking a lot more pictures because and i think probably that 
was the case with a lot of people because, well, it's, I mean, it's pretty obvious why, you know, it was a big deal. Yeah. And then you just look at your life and you're like, I have to, you know. Create. Create, yeah. So I got, I started taking a lot more snapshots. Mm. And I had this great Yashika T4. Yes. Do you know that? Yes. And I had that and I took a ton of pictures. So I have a lot of pictures like that. And it was all, I was in Williamsburg. It was like that whole thing. I went, lived that fully. (laughs) Yeah. And um, so I just, yeah, I was just taking pictures of all friends. I would say not like formal portraits, although I did. I did portraits, but they were a lot looser at that time. Yeah. And just of life, just just like wanting to document life and stuff. And I was starting, I was definitely starting to do more, more kind of like commercial air quote uh, work to try to try to get like jobs. Oh, yeah. Um, What was your first commercial work? Yeah. Gosh. Well, it's funny. It's again, it's a thing like I've done little jobs all along the way, kind Mm -hmm. of like things would come up and I got a big ad job and I quit TV Guide. Uh oh. <laughs> I was like, okay, I think I can just quit. Let's just see what happens if I just take the next six months and just use all this money to just go all the way, you know? What was the ad job? The ad job was a cigarette ad. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, which it's like, it was like, I remember, I remember thinking, like, this is such a weird, like, dilemma. Were you a smoker at the time? No, absolutely not. I never have been a smoker. Um, and it was such a weird dilemma because I was like, I have this big opportunity. Secure the bag, Rose. Always <laughs> secure the bag. <laughs> I have this big opportunity, but then like, but it's for uh, cigarettes. It's so lame. But then I was like, well, I guess it's better that I get the money because then I can do something interesting with it and transform oh, it. Oh, okay. So that was my how I you know so took dealt with the ethical dilemma <laughs> hey i don't you know first off it's easy for me to make any judgment call but it's always about securing the bag especially if you you know i think it goes to show you how far you've progressed at mm-hmm. the time and the fact that you're not an assistant you're not some kid from oakland you are a photographer and you're being chosen because they think your work's so good that they can make money off of it I mean, and that is... That's a good way of looking at it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I'm not belittling you in in any way. I'm just saying, like, that's how big of a deal you're becoming. And it sounds like you didn't even really realize it. No, I didn't realize (laughs) it. (laughs) So you No, I was just like... But but of course, I was thrilled to have the experience and to have the money. And yeah, like, I I mean, I was... I I did feel like I I knew it was a big deal, for sure. And it could put me to the next step or whatever. Well, and you, you said that like, oh, you'd be able to leave your job and then really go. What does really go mean? I think I, what I meant was I could just put all my effort towards being a photographer. Right. Um, promoting myself or taking pictures for portfolio or something like that. Right. Instead of um, working at a day job. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like especially in New York, you know, you meet so many people whom you're, I do this, but I'm this. You're yeah, like, yeah. I'm an actor, but I'm a bartender, mm-hmm. you know, or I'm a bartender, but I'm an actor, you know, or whatever that is. And, but luckily for you, it sounds like you were able to stay within this world the entire time into which, you know, you were always, you had some, you know, arm or leg within the world of photography. So yeah, yeah. you do a shoot. And then what did it look like then? Because like, for me, I know that like when I started doing the podcast full time or any of that stuff, you're like, okay, there's a, there's enough here that I have a few months that like, what would it look like if my only output was on growth? How did that change your drive? Right. That's well, like this is like so far back. I'm like having a hard time. All I know is I haven't had a day job since then. Oh, for real? Yeah. God yeah. bless you. That's awesome. Um, I don't know many people who can say that. A lot of times you gotta, you hit the wall a few times. Yeah. No, I've always done photography since then. It's... What year is this, if you don't mind? 2003. Big flex. 
That's great. I mean, hey, it's a lot of work. Well, and of course it is. There's ups and downs, but yeah, I have since then. And there's been like fabulous years and crappy years and all that. Yeah. Yeah. So, when does your book come along? Because I think for most listeners and for even myself, you know, I I had some idea of who you were obviously before Instagram. And, you know, you were like, if you want a real menswear photographer, or if you want someone who really knew how, really knows how to take a fashion portrait, you should have Rose Callahan do it. And I was like, I don't even know who she is. And then you had just done your first book. Mm-hmm. And I think your first book was I Am Dandy. Yeah. That, how did that, w- that came out in, in 2013. Right. But um, so I started the work on dandies as a personal project um, in 2008. Okay. So that was the very first and it it was very slow to begin with also. And because you know, so as a as a commercial photographer, you always are you, you always have to work on something that is like close to your heart, like is just for yourself and f- something you're interested in because you know, the stuff you get hired for is not always the interesting looking stuff. Like, I'm not going to show anybody the cigarette ad. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. <laughs> no way. Um uh, so you have to, you know, so that's why I started it, um, because I just, uh, a subject I just wanted to photograph. Um, so, so it started from the beginning as being interested in kind of like eccentricity. Yeah. And, um, so it's menswear, but it's like, it's really about this like personality and character. And, um. What, what is a dandy? If you wouldn't mind explaining, because I think a lot of people <laughs> have different understandings of what a dandy is. Yeah. Um, a dandy is, is like. A man that's obsessed with elegance, and that's kind of is the the actual definition. Um, but it it's my definition also. But like for me, what what I was interested in is is not really somebody who's following a specific style just to follow a style. It's somebody that is just is just it. They just are. It's more than their clothes. Yeah, I mean, I I I like to keep. The, the definition pretty open in terms of who who I wanted to photograph. Right. Um, with dandies, you, there has to be something in there, there. It's always going to be connected to the gentleman and classic tailoring somehow. Mm, right. But so, I mean, you now obviously you have shot a lot of women, but I think for a lot of people, most of the stuff that they knew was menswear. Were you more comfortable with menswear over women's wear? I mean, why why did you gravitate to that? Yeah, that's a that's a really interesting question. Um, uh, since I had f- photographed this topic for so long, since since like two thousand eight, and it kind of had built, and then I had a blog for it. Um, what was your blog called? The Dandy Portraits. Oh my God! Yeah, I do remember yeah, that. So it was, it was like you know the same thing like i'd go to someone's house and photograph them and stuff and uh but and it was you know blog form so yeah. i did that and um that's where the publisher found me well let me jump back one second why did you start the blog because obviously you were you know a successful commercial photographer and you were definitely ahead of the curve in terms of all the menswear blogs and things like that that were happening but like what made you want to start a blog um because i met the owners of a shop called fine and dandy and i started working with them because i could see that they knew a lot of people and they were doing they had a lot of like a community around them um and matt fox who is one of the owners he said rose you should do a blog because it was kind of like the time you know yeah oh yeah and um i was like oh yeah well because and what what that did was really f- focus it because mm. before I had just posted it on my own I think I had like a photography blog just just you know for yeah. promotion and um and so yeah that was brilliant but I hadn't thought of it myself I had to have my friends say it you know right. and and it really did like draw the audience I guess that's the that's really what the magic is of the internet <laughs> is that it does that, like whatever the topic is, it, it focuses the energy. Mm. And so, um, so I think the reason you know me as a menswear photographer is because I was so engaged with this project for so long 
and you know, and it was all menswear related. But I do love menswear. <laughs> Ever wanted to fine tune your hobby or just issue yourself a new challenge? Why aren't you using Skillshare? Skillshare is an online learning community with thousands of classes for creators, entrepreneurs, and curious people everywhere. You can take classes in photography, audio production, web development, design, even music. You name it, they've got it. I've been using Skillshare.com to help with my productivity. It takes a lot to do this pod, you know. Think you don't have the willpower or won't even finish something on your own? Skillshare recently launched workshops. You learn with other like-minded students and can even exchange feedback to improve your work. It's fantastic because you can follow a set calendar and receive prompts to help you stay on track. If that's not your vibe, you can start one at your own pace and do your thing. So whether you're picking up a new skill for your day job, starting your podcast, or pursuing a long-time passion, Skillshare has classes for you. Join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer for Blamo listeners. Get two free months when you sign up at Skillshare.com forward slash Blamo. That's two free months of unlimited access to thousands of classes. Sign up by going to Skillshare.com forward slash Blamo and start improving your life, business, or hobby. That's Skillshare.com forward slash Blamo to start your two free months now. Sure. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the stuff that you have shot, you know, I mean, to jump to the, the I Am Dandy book, I mean, you, Nick Sullivan, there was a, a lot of like... So Nick Sullivan yeah. and like Nick Wooster and some of the more like industry people, I would photograph them for Guilt Group because I worked with them for a long time. Oh, snap. Yeah. As a, yeah so, right. so like in 2012, 11 or 12, I, um, that was when like, I think they were first starting Guilt Man. Yeah. And, and they ran a picture of mine from another story I had done for the Scout magazine. And so I, and so I, I sent them a message. You were like, yo, why are you using my shit? No, no, no. It was okay. like, <laughs> no, it was good. It was good. Okay. And I was like, Cool. I see you used the picture. The here I am, and um and then so I Tyler Thorson. That's how I met him. Oh, okay. And I start, he was he gave me a bunch of amazing assignments for like a good chunk of time while he was there. And I met. I mean, I just photographed like so many people, and that was like such a cool time there. Yeah, because all the editors and stuff. It was like Chris Wallace and um yeah Jared Flint and. Yeah, so it was a so it was a great time and I just got to photograph like so many different amazing people and um that was yeah, that was a great like it was like my my intro to a lot of the menswear like like hashtag menswear world. Right. Because you know, like you'll see in I am dandy and we are dandies that I am interested in not just the people in the industry. I'm interested in people that are, you know, up from all walks of life yeah that are fine you know using style or it like so engaged with style and so joyful about style you know and they yeah it's not just their job yeah in fact the most interesting subjects are people that kind of span a lot of different um realms i guess <laughs> right you know they're you might think they're one thing and then it's another or something. So to jump back to what you were saying, you start working on what is now I Am Dandy. But what, what is it like to take all the work that you're doing and figure out what deserves to be in a book and what isn't? I imagine that's got to be really, really challenging. Yeah, I, I guess I didn't think about it a whole lot when I was doing it. <laughs> no, that's great. Um, I mean, I'm going to back up just a little bit just Please. to kind of tell you the story of how it happened. Um, so the... So I guess like um, kind of not, I guess in like 2011, mm -hmm. I met Natty Adams, who wrote the books with me, Yeah, the journalist. And he got in contact with me because he had been researching his own book about dandyism, but it was like a literary book. And um, he had just gone to the Congo and like around Europe to, uh, on a grant to... Um, 
interview people. And so when he got back to New York, we were both working on this, some of the same people we've been, we've interviewed. And, um, and that was kind of like the beginning of our friendship and then working together. And so it took a little while. We kind of like were feeling each other out like, okay, you, are you going to do the book before me? And we, oh, both, right. we both knew we wanted to do a book, but we weren't sure how it was going to happen. And yeah. so uh, there was a, a point in time where we put together our own proposal and was tr- were trying to get some interest in it. And just like nothing happened. Just like, you know, one person was interested and then they fell off the face of the earth. You know how things happen like that. Oh, yeah. And so then finally, I, kind of out of the blue, Gestalten, and they're based in Germany, mm-hmm. just sent me an email and were like, hey, we like your work. Uh, we're interested in, are you interested in having to, doing a book? And I was like, yes. <laughs> um, Funny you mentioned that. <laughs> and so, and so I, when they came to New York, um, I wanted to have Natty involved with it because I thought this could be really cool with the writing. I hate writing. I don't enjoy writing. Um, it's like pulling teeth for me, even though I wish I liked it more, but it's just, it's, it's difficult, you know? Yeah. And Hey, that's why I do a podcast. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> um, and you know, at that point we had gotten to be good friends and done other like editorials together and stuff. And so, yeah, that happened really naturally surprisingly um the the publisher was very cool in that they didn't want to see our proposal that we had they they just wanted to see some of the pictures and the writing Mm -hmm. and they really got our concept Mm -hmm. um without a lot of work which was really really great and the concept would be that it's about the individuals and it's about um and their personal stories um, so it's all based in the person. We weren't trying to categorize them as this is the classic dandy. This right. is the the modern dandy, you know. Yeah, it's it, not one, a breakdown it was like, of this the, is the evolution. Person. Yeah. Yeah. We did some more shooting, but a lot of it was stuff I had already shot and mm-hmm. then Natty did interviews with them. And then we, you know, sent them the the stuff and they sent us back the is like a pdf i never saw it before it was printed i know it's crazy oh my god okay so i just want to call it out really quick that's very very rare yeah and and the fact that you're just like okay (laughs) and the funny i mean okay this it sounds crazy but sometimes when things happen really naturally it's really the best you know i i believe that there i'm not saying there wasn't bumps in the road but they when they sent us the first PDF of it, which had the layout and kind of so they did the layout and they did the the edit of the pictures. I guess because it turned out good, I'm okay with it. I'm sure <laughs> another person I would have been like, oh, this edit is terrible. But I think they really had good taste and um, they chose the pictures I like. There was only a few things where I was like, no, really, this should be no, don't like this picture. Okay, so forth. Um, but I remember seeing that, that original, like first draft and being like, wow, this is really, this is what I want. And, um, so thankful because <laughs> it could have been so bad. Yeah. Then they told us what the title was and we hated it. We hated it so bad. Would you mind sharing what they, what they wanted the title? No, the, I am dandy. We hated I oh. am dandy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my well, god. Wait, why did you hate it? <laughs> um because almost everybody we talked to was like I don't call myself a dandy. <laughs> they were like I would never like they either said I would never call myself a dandy or I don't think I'm a dandy. Because it's really one of those words that's like But I, here's the thing. It, and I'll just in defense of the word, I don't think it had the association that they were thinking they being the people who said they weren't um, until maybe more recently. Because mm-hmm. I think sometimes people think like a dandy, you know, is not like a flaneur. Okay. It's, it's this, you know, disconnected type person, this maybe uber wealthy, all these other things. And that, which is why when we were talking earlier, I was like, what does it mean to you? Because so many people had these other ideas. But you know what? I don't think you can name that book anything else than I Am Dandy. Mm, it's I know. Isn't that interesting how that happens? when yeah. the name, It's like naming a, naming a child. 
My friend told me that when I was upset about it, she said, it's like when you name a child, you, you just grow, it grows on you or something that it becomes that. It's less but, funny the more you say it. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh my God, we hated it. We were like so bummed. Natty wrote this huge, long, scathing email. Oh, heavens, to, really? Yeah, which... And to the editor, to the to the publisher, and it was like, oh my god, oh, um, yeah. Cause I guess like I really thought like I felt like the subject. I I guess I felt like I would have betrayed a bit of what the subjects expected. I didn't hmm. want them to feel like all of a sudden you are a dandy. You well, know, did any of the subjects write you a scathing email saying that, how dare you name this book? No, no, they didn't. Yeah. I think people were a lot more relaxed about it. It's kind of silly. I mean, it's, maybe I mean, it's okay if they were upset, they, they didn't really come out and tell me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, I think what, what happens is you see in the book that there's such a variety of people and yeah. stories that like there's such an interesting amount of people and, and group of people that I think it speaks for itself. And yes. um, I think what I realized after doing the book and then time had passed and stuff was that my interest is, is people and their, their stories and it, overlaps with with style like i love real style like what people actually wear and and how they they kind of create their world and create their identity through their style but what i realized is because you know i could see like like the book it went through like a trend and then it like the trend was, went on to something else in the in the the fashion world and i realized yeah no that I, I don't like that. Like my, my work is, yeah, I don't, I don't see it quite in the fashion realm, I guess. Right. I don't know. It's hard to describe. No, I mean, I, I think that's, that's fair and correct. I mean, because it also to say that, you know, when you think of fashion, excuse me, you think of often it, if you're reducing someone to an outward appearance, right? Especially in a day in, the, in today's modern age, no one, likes that you know a, a lot of people take umbrage with that and that you're more than what you look like on the outside you have thoughts you have dreams you have struggles you have i mean heck i mean no one would listen to a podcast if it was solely just about fashion mm. you know it's you're right it's about the people you know on that note we we were talking about you know how people looked and also what you were saying building your world and community from your identity in fashion that's something that you've done really really well and maybe i don't i don't know why but like maybe it's like because i'm still a child i guess when i look at fashion i look at all these different things to try out and ever since i've met you and seen you you've always had a fully formed look and aesthetic how did that happen and was that always the case thank you <laughs> um I, I've always loved dressing up and style and fashion always since I, I you know, I, I would probably since I was really little and um, then I loved vintage clothes like really early on. Yeah. Um, like I made friends with the lady at the vintage clothes store in my town and all that. I just, yeah, I just always enjoyed that. And I think that's a big part of what draws me to the people I photograph are people that enjoyed that too. Yeah. That kind of just, it is just really a fun thing just when it comes down to it, just like deciding when I'm going to wear today or when I'm going to wear to a big event or something. It's just a lot of fun. Well, but there's, there's definitely a period that it feels like you gravitate towards. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I love the 1930s. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which where did, where did you first realize that that was the period that you were into? I mean, it's dev it's been, um, I've always loved vintage clothes and it's really been kind of like drifted in and out of kind of eras. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, I just like certain silhouettes and stuff. And it came from just watching old movies, um, 
I don't know. It's really hard to think about where the aesthetic comes from. Oh, it's okay. I mean, I know to me, it's really like a romantic thing. It's just fun to... It was definitely you know, a simpler time when you think about it. I mean, I've, I've thought a lot about it. It's not... I think it really just does come from like wanting more romance and like drama and stuff. Good drama. Sure. In, yeah, in the life. 1930s were ups yeah. and downs. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it def- I mean, I love history. I mm-hmm. think that comes from a lot of that. Like, I, I'm very curious about history, and I love to, to learn about history. Um, I It does not come from wanting to recreate a period, or, in fact, I really dislike that. Um, you mean, like, like cosplay-type stuff? Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, dislike it for myself. Like, everybody else can do it. It's fine. Sure. Um, I, I am not a very conservative politically person so it doesn't i don't want to live back then (laughs) but it's like right but it's like i want to make a more beautiful and romantic now and Mm. i want to it's it's just like the way i want to feel yeah and um i mean i'm a massive fan of chris wallace i would also agree massive fan of poirot uh-huh. <laughs> and so much of Hercule Poirot, the Agatha Christie detective, the character that she made, mm-hmm. um, you know, was in that era. And a lot of times, you know, when I've seen, you know, because look, here's the thing. I mean, you have like an amazing vibe and personal style identity, which is awesome. And when I see it and I see your photos, I think of that time, you know, like, like Poirot era and things like that. And it's so good. It's, you know, because I don't know if it's, people on your instagram or whatever it is but i'm like oh my gosh like these are amazing and this is just how these people are it's it's cool (laughs) well i think you gather your community you know so yeah so you've done two books and now you know what what what's next for you and yourself i mean now i i say that in obviously all optimism and excitement but you know what what are the the next steps for you you know where where do you feel you're going now so so after the second book it was pretty much like okay this project is complete we knew me and natty knew we didn't want to do a third book because it was just even though there's people to photograph it just wouldn't it wouldn't have worked because it was like so much harder to promote the second book Uh, even though i love it actually Mm -hmm. love it more than the first book it was just hard it's the second book so um so i knew it was like okay i think putting to sleep this project and this is like something I've never experienced. I hadn't really done a long-term project. And so it was really like a long process of kind of like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I'm never going to photograph dandies again. Like, of course, I'm always going to photograph interesting people. But in terms of like, you know, when it was about the 10-year mark of having started it, and I was like, okay, I think this is ready to be finished. Mm. Um and and so I was like, okay, well, what do, I, what do I want to do next? And really, you know, I mean, when I look at the work, I had to look and do some soul searching and think like, what is really, what is, what is the thing that's interesting for me about this besides it being just about the certain type of man? Um, and it's really about like elegance, trying to create your own world, like your identity through style. And... um um, you know, and the question was always like, where do women fit into this? Right. And so really it's my gaze has just kind of shifted and I'm really looking back at, I'm like looking towards women now. So I'm really wanting to kind of photograph that and explore um, women of style right now. And it's kind of at the beginning stages and mm-hmm. the publisher's interested in a new book as well on the, like on what I'm doing. Um, but it's yeah, it's 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 interesting, and also photographing a lot more women now, kind of like for fun, mm. and to to work on this on the project, and it's it's somehow like this hard to describe different thing, because I think I relate to them differently because instead of being the kind of outsider being curious, which I think is what happens with men, yeah, I feel like with women it's more simpatico because. Because I'm like looking at them and I kind of see some of my own issues reflected in there, what might be their issues, you know, uh, like beauty and body image and right. um, 
uh, also just, it seems like a lot of the the things I've been photographing are like more fantastic. So less about, you know, with the, with the dandy work, it was, it's much more kind of documentary in a way, like it's portraiture, but it's, I'm really, I would definitely agree with that. Less, less fantastic. So I'm not trying to create like this fantastic portrait. Okay. So, but a lot of the work now that I've been doing with women is, is a little more fantasy oriented. I'm not, I don't know if it's going to stay that way, but it's just been fun to do and just, you know, all based in real style. Like it's all mostly, you know, it's self-styled and it's all their own clothes and um, the way they would present themselves. But or maybe it's just the people I'm photographing or like, cause they're closer to me. So there are all these people that love <laughs> kind of like dressing and get, you know, the fantasy world. Well, I mean, and you're also, and this is just from me, like watching you on Instagram or interacting with you on Instagram, you know, you're starting what appears to be that you could be teaching other people because I think, you know, you have a lot of experience you have from my perspective and I an identity as a photographer. You are a photographer as a career and a profession, and it only takes a millisecond to see your work and realize that this is real stuff. This is, you know, this is this is works of art versus you know random acts of you know passing time. Um, and so, like because of that, I feel and you know maybe correct me if i'm wrong sometimes when you get to a certain point in your career you realize that in order to scale your talents it's best to find a way to impart that on others instead of almost squandering it on yourself yeah i i fully agree i think um i very into mentoring people and yeah. um i think it's really really important i don't feel like it was something i had when i was um going to school and stuff i mean there was people along the way but i always wanted like the mentor you know yeah, so i hope yeah. i can be that to people and i'm trying in whatever way i can to to kind of like help out yeah younger photographers or or you know not just photographers but and to be in a lot of photographers i think it's really important i th- i think it's it's tough to when you're younger, like fit, finding where you fit in um, to the world, and and sometimes you just want you just want like a chance. Just give me a chance, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my kind of little dream is to one day have a a way for for those like kind of like practical ways to help out new artists and younger artists mm. to kind of like get those first starts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's really beautiful. I, I mean that too, in the sense that, you know, oftentimes I think people that are really, you know, people don't become legends by just like squandering all their own stuff on their own. They mentor, they communicate how they did it. They, you know, and and they're not, and it also shows true confidence in the work that they've created because it's not like, oh, if I tell someone my secret, now I'm, I have no value. It's like, no, no, no. Like your value already exists. You don't hear more than the fact that you can take a person's photo. (laughs) It's, it's really hard though sometimes because you're like, ah, I've spent years developing this, this (laughs) thing and stuff. But I do think, yeah, like it's not just come to, it doesn't just come down to the camera and the lens and the, the lighting and stuff. Yeah. I have noticed you've been taking all these photos that are like, Met at the Opera or Night at the Met. What, what is this? Um, so that project is called Last Night at the Met, and okay. it's the Met Opera. It's their style blog for the audience. So I've been shooting that since 2013, and that is um, all this the cool style from the people in the audience. So it's this. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And, I was like, what is this? Yeah, I know. It's. <laughs> um, they, so it's on Instagram now, but it started, I was on a Tumblr for a while. Um, and that started, it was like an ad agency hired me to do this. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then now um, it's just gotten taken over by the Met. So the Met kind of does it all. But what I do is I just go to the lobby when they're having the performances and I photograph whoever I think is, has interesting style. 
that's going to the opera. And it's a lot of fun because it's like style scouting. Yeah. Like to the nth degree. And it's very fast paced. And I do really quick portraits. And I've gotten to every single nook and cranny of the opera house. Oh my God, um, that's sick. And, and like you just, it's such, such a, an array of people that show up there. It's really fascinating. And um, it's just, it's like stretches that muscle of like, finding people and, and being just like fascinated with style mm-hmm. that I enjoy um, because it's not just menswear, you know, or not just vintage style. Right. I can appreciate all these different styles that come through there. You know, it could be like downtown girls or, you know, these Upper East Side ladies or uh, very eccentric people or the gay boys in leather, you know, like right. there's so many different different looks that go through there. So it's kind of like a very fun project that is uh, ongoing, which is really cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, cool. Well, good. Well, Rose, again, this was, this was great. Thanks so much for chatting with me. Thank you. Um, Yeah. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. You've been listening to Blamo. Our theme music is by the mysterious Breakmaster cylinder. Blamo is edited by Brendan Finn. If you like the show, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow along with us on Instagram at Blamo Podcast or send us an email at info at blamopod.com. Want to know more about what's going on in fashion or menswear or just meet other folks? Join our Slack group. It's a private chat group online where tons of Blamo listeners chat about everything. Just send us an email saying, hey, I want to join the Slack and we'll get you in. All right. See you soon. Thank you.